Welcome. To Arcade Audio. This is Shared History. Choosy moms, choose history. We're still workshopping slogans. <laughs> I'm one of your fearless history hosts, Natalie Younger. And I'm your other fearless history historian, Cass Maher. Are you a real historian, Cass? I am a armchair historian. <laughs> good, 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 good. If you've listened to our previous two episodes, you know... Neither of us are historians. But we love history. Yes. And we love history that is not as well known, that probably should be known. Yeah, so we're here to, to share some history that was probably skipped in your textbook or in your history class. And with us, as always... On the ones, ones and, and twos... twos is DJ Rip Kimelucci. Boah, 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 boah. It's like a smooth jazz air horn. <laughs> the jazziest air horn. Uh, Rip is here to make sure our levels are sick and that our facts are correct. That to, kind of. say, that to say, Rip is also not a historian or a professional yeah. fact checker. Uh, to say, I am much more concerned with the former than the latter. <laughs> yeah. Rip is here to make sure that we remember how to hold microphones <laughs> and also to occasionally Google stuff for us when we begin to lose our minds. Dropping those beat factoids. Yeah. Where the, the beats are facts and the bops are bits. <laughs> <laughs> beep bop, boop pop, beep boop. Uh, oh, cool. Well, I'm excited about uh, this episode. We we said we we're going to do like Europe, something in Europe. Yeah, because we keep talking about how we both prefer European history. Yeah. And not just European history, but like not Amer- We both prefer not American history. I always thought American history was really boring because it's, I mean, it's it's not boring, but it didn't interest me as much as European history because we're so young. We're only 200 yeah. years old. And so... We've got like one, you know, like that one hit wonder, you know, Revolutionary War. And then the rest was kind of like, uh, we were good because we were fighting for freedom then. And then the rest is like us fucking we, up. Us fucking up. But we're going to try to make it seem like we're cool. And it's just a lot of the same stuff over and over. Yeah. We're also, I feel like it's, I've, I feel like part of it is because we're such, uh, it's such a large landmass. I'm not even going to say it's a large country because for most of the our history, we weren't, we're, we weren't from coast to coast yet. Yeah. Um, but it's such a large landmass and like we came over here and just kind of screwed up other shit that there's less of that interesting thing of like, and this is what our neighbors were doing. Yeah. It was more of us like building stuff as opposed to like creating. Yeah. We were building, we were breaking things and building things. We were not, we were, it's like, it's like in pretty woman when she asked Richard Gere what he does, she's like, do you build things? No, I, I, Break up countries and sell, or b- break up other companies and sell them for parts. She's like, you don't it's make anything just like that. <laughs> America, America is Richard Gere in Pretty Women. Well, I just want to. It's his entire career. Richard we'll, Gere. Yeah, we'll do Richard Gere's entire career, but we'll map it over U.S. history yeah. in a future episode. Oh yeah, he was a hot young thing. He his hair grayed early, but. He's still trying to keep it tight. Who, what, uh, what nation is Julia Roberts? Because they keep coming back to each other in different movies. That's right. We'll figure this out. Is it Britain? I don't know. We're going to, you know what? I'm going to pot. I'm going to pray on this. I'm going to send it to the prayer group. We're going to come back with an answer. This is a problem that needs to be solved. It's important. But today um, we're not here to solve this problem. We're not here to solve today this problem. We're here to talk about just something that happened in Europe. Anything, Anything anytime, anywhere. I um, think we also wanted to try and not do uh, try and do one that was not uh, a specific person. Yeah, these are more of. I don't want to say events. Mine's not really an event. Mine's not really an event. Either. Well, let's jump into it. Yeah. Uh, the topic that I want to talk about are French salons. Ooh. French salons. Um, which uh, played an integral role in the cultural and intellectual development of France. Um, we talk about the Age of Enlightenment in Europe. The, the That's not the Renaissance, is it really? 
I mean, I think Europe had several ages of enlightenment. Yeah, but like so the so Renaissance this, was. I mean, the Renaissance means like the like a return to. Yeah. So right? so the, yeah, this was the Enlightenment period, late 1600s to the late 1700s. Um, it was early modern revolutionary France. This was okay. when a lot of upheaval was going on. This is when people were. Can you put um, this in the context of uh, Les Mis for me? Yeah, so this... Which revolution? France had a lot of revolutions. The the Les Mis revolution. Okay, this is that one. This is pre... This is everything that got us to that point. So um, we go from the kind of medieval, dark ages, a return to, you know, extremely pious Christianity. We're kind of rejecting science and... What um, century are we in? uh, The 17th century. So so 1600s. Yeah, so this is like end of the Renaissance. This, uh, yeah, end of Renaissance. Um, that's right. Renaissance went into the Enlightenment period. Yeah. Um, so Renaissance was like a lot of like art and mm-hmm. classicism. And then the Enlightenment was like, it was also called the Age of Reason. It was like, let's, let's talk about some of the stuff. Why are we doing it this way? Let's think on this. Are we doing this the best way? And let's, uh, it was also known as the Age of Conversation. Um, in our last episode, we talked about Aristotle and logic and everything. Mm-hmm. This and was, how everyone should get their aunts and uncles and nanas uh, some Aristotle before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So this was this was a time when people were like, okay, let's wrap. Let's talk about what's going on and figure out why we do the things we do and get back to logic and reason. Also, there was this uh, this oh, what was it called? Uh, it's called the Republic of Letters. Um, so at this time... Oh, I remember, I remember learning about yeah, this. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But, but basically what the French salons were, it was a product of the Enlightenment period. Um, this was when uh, everywhere was very monarchical. There were monarchies and, and um, uh, in royal court. And if you were not of royal birth, you weren't allowed. You know, It's like you could be a very wealthy landowner owner or an aristocrat but you were not involved in politics in um all of these kind of like highbrow cultural achievements uh you could be patroned by some of these people we talked about patronage in the last thing but you were not involved. i have a feeling we're going to talk about patronage a lot on this yeah. podcast if we touch like any <laughs> any seriously we're gonna take a shot of patron every time we just every time um but so hashtag sponsored content (laughs) (laughs) um so basically what the french salons were it was a chance for the upper aristocracy the bourgeoisie that's where we get that term it's like you're not royal but you're fancy as hell yeah yeah. um so it was these people who were not allowed in court which is where all the royals hung out and got to do cool shit um but they kind of mimicked this uh hierarchy of court so if you were really wealthy um you would uh have salons where you would invite uh other bougie folk other bougie folk you would invite thinkers and scientists and artists um and you would discuss all of these ideas and it was supposed to kind of mirror what court looked like um and it eventually became it was a way to disseminate information, yeah. right? This was when people started printing gazettes and journals and the Republic oh, of the Letters. Oh, the first zine. Yeah, zine clubs, essentially. A wine and magazine party. <laughs> <laughs> Bridesmaids. This is like a, this is like um, the, I, I, this is a very much our generation thing that like a lot of folks uh, in their like 20s and early 30s now are having parties that are like PowerPoint parties. Yes, yes. And there's a ba- that's basically a salon. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about, Rip? That people have. Uh, I've been. In- I've been invited cursory to like one, but I haven't. Been- I haven't gone to one yet. Um, the- you either you choose a topic that you want to give like a like ten a f- minute presentation, yeah, like a five to ten minute uh, PowerPoint presentation on, and you present it like it was you were doing it for like a class assignment. Basically, it's like it's like. A bunch of little mini podcasts. Yeah, it's yeah. like a bunch of it's like a bunch of friends hanging out in somebody's apartment living room, yeah, uh, drinking and learning about something. But the topics range from like somebody being like, "I want to teach you about like 
Renaissance oh. art. And oh. then one and about like, like why Aaron Carter's Aaron's Party is the it's best yeah. song It can ever. be whatever you want. Yeah, it's but, whatever you are, feel passionate and want yeah. to talk about for 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 ten minutes, yeah. So that's that's basically what. And then this you can was. answer questions at the end. It, and it it um, the Republic of Letters was essentially like uh, how people would communicate, and this is where the concept of public opinion came about. Because if you were not of court, you a probably didn't know what was going on. It, there were there was a the bourgeoisie, which was you know the the rich merchants and whatnot, and then there was a proletariat, which was most of the people. Proletariat was the laborers. They were the farmers. They were the people getting all the work done that we need to have a functioning uh, civilization. But we don't know what's going on at court. We don't know what politics are going on. We don't, most of us can't read all that stuff. Um, And so with salons taking place, it was like, oh, we're allowed to talk about this stuff. And this is interesting. Um, Let's uh, talk. Let's have conversations. Let's write and like, hey, you know, friend over in that country or that village. Like, I want to talk to you about this. More people were learning how to read. More people were like, oh, wait, this is what's going on in, in politics right now? Like, I don't like that. Let's revolutionize. Um, a lot more people became aware of what was going on. What's interesting about this is um, this was all female-led. This is a, a big reason why women gained you know cultural notoriety or autonomy to a certain extent was this kind of for women in the 17th century like their only real opportunity to learn like their yes. most structured learning and keep dropping my pen i mean yeah and and so so there were a bunch of again we said in our last episode that um having a a a rich uh cultural uh presence and you know thinking and learning and all this stuff reflect well on the court i think it was uh one of the louis was king at the time and he was very extravagant and he was very like "Ooh, look we're like really fancy so he wanted to build up all of this um scientific knowledge and this art and this culture because it made him look uh very cool like he knew it was up. So he's funding a lot of this stuff. There was, um, this is when Royal Academies started to pop up, which was essentially like universities, uh, cross-disciplinary, and people who were not of the gentry or of uh, court could learn all these things. And it was, again, kind of mirroring court of like, there are levels, you can learn this stuff. You're not royal, but we're going to give you kind of these advantages that you normally would not get. Salons were basically the non-typical educational aspect of yeah. that. So a salon is like your French, it's like your parlor. That's yeah. what they were in France. So these are essentially, essentially like parlor talks. They're like you would host tea parties. So women would essentially just throw kind of like a little tea party and they would bring all of these great thinkers and they would choose what they were going to discuss. Um, the thinkers would choose or the women would the choose? The women would choose. Okay. So it, it was it was still very much hammered in that like women didn't really get to partake in the discussion of everything. But... They'd be th- like, you're going to talk about this but, and we're going to listen. Yeah, it was essentially, it was PowerPoint parties, but the women got to choose what y'all were going to PowerPoint about, right? Dope. It was very uh, focused on decorum and civility. To hit that T hard. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like teaching uh, lay people how the royals acted. This was the proper decorum. Okay. It was kind of like, like a finishing school almost, but for... Yeah, non-royals it was like this is how you address your superiors this is how you address people who are below you it was decorum and yeah it was how to interact with people and converse with people without offending them and was showing them their due respect but also then it started to turn into like hey i heard about this really interesting thing we're gonna talk about this or like oh there's this great writer i heard about let's talk about what they're thinking you know age of conversation age of reasoning um and the women would kind of outline, like, these are what we're going to talk about and could steer, like, oh, you're not going to let me discuss Rousseau right now, but hey, let's, let's give him a chat. Let's talk about it. Yeah. 
Um, I was like, oh, oh, I can't talk about you. Then how about you? You guys talk about Rousseau. Yeah. Or like, hey, I, I want to talk more about this. Um, so they were very much uh, patrons. Yeah. Um, these women uh, gained prominence. And if, you know, it was like invite only and it was, um, oh, mine's very exclusive. Or like I'm holding this killer like dinner um, with these people. Um, the prominent women who had these, they were called saloniers. Saloniers in their salon. Um, and it was like, ooh, I, the hot ticket. Like, I want to get into this salon. I want to yeah. rub shoulders with these people. Um, and all of this, uh, it led to decrease in cultural isolation. Um, and it influenced... Oh, wow. Getting together with people and speaking with people uh, decreases cultural isolation. Wait, which, which then leads to the ideal of enlightenment, free thinking, public opinion. Mm. But it was France's downfall, right? Because we had a revolution. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there was downfall, inevitability. Yeah. For the first time, French citizens were openly questioning and analyzing the world around them. Yeah, and And, what they were and were not allowed to And their power struggles and whatnot. Um, Some of the things that salons have been studied in depth by a mixture of feminist, Marxist, cultural, social, and intellectual historians. All of these different disciplines touch on salons because they were the epicenter. They were the catalyst of like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's maybe realize this is not great. This is great. We should focus on this. Um, And it was all about, it was predicated on politeness and decorum. Um, And the reason women were the ones to do this is because they were delicate. The idea behind it was like, well, men are too aggressive and, and oh, whatever. So, would, so women yeah. are going to give us that gentle touch of like, we still need to be polite and we can talk about these kind of difficult issues, yeah. but it will be under control because women are the weaker sex, the fairer sex, they're more polite and we need to be polite around them. Yeah. Which they're going to give you a little Midwestern polite nudge. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to go grab the bars. You guys don't talk about whatever. Actually, politics is one thing that they initially were not supposed to talk about. Yeah. It was it was very much just supposed to be like um, what you would talk about in court. Like yeah. in court, you're not going to be like, hey, I really don't like, like the edict that the king just... You're not going to no, say that. No, you're going to gossip and you're going to... It's going to be split between like court gossip and more like scholarly sides of yeah. things. If I, but, and I feel like in, I imagine anyone talking about anything smart in court, it being a little bit more of like a, of like a, a power move or like, like an yeah. ego move of like, oh, well, I recently learned. Mm-hmm. It's like when your friend is like, oh, did you hear, did you read that New York Times article? And they, they just want to tell you that they read the yeah. New York Times. Or, or it's like, oh, I... I read your article on BuzzFeed. I thought it was so great, like buttering up the people who are whatever. Um, But so it started off as just like, let's stay informed. And then it was like, well, this is fun and this is interesting. Let's let more people know. We have magazines, we have gazettes, we have journals that are being spread and we can learn about this more. Um, Also, this was... This is a quote I got from an article. The lack of fulfillment that most Parisian women found in their family life encouraged them to find other societal roles. <laughs> this was the first, like, career. They they described this as a career. Because most women were being married in their, their teens. Um, and it was arranged marriages based on, like, well, this is going to help our family. Or this is going to give us a better title. And so, Muslim, go figure. We're not super happy. No. Um, and so... Let's throw a fun party. Let's get a bunch of people together and talk and hang out and not have to deal with my shitty husband. Yeah, so they realized, like, this is something I can focus my time and energy on. And it was still that kind of, like, housewife thing. It's like, ooh, I'm very good at, you know, throwing a party or or doing, you know, homemaking stuff. Um, But still a step up from where we were. And also... I'm not pushing the boundaries of what it is to be a woman in yeah. this century. I'm merely throwing a party. Yes. And having some friends over for tea. And this this salon era it, it lasted for like a, you know like 100 years. Like it was late 1600s to the late 1700s and it evolved over that time. And then it branched off into different places in kind of a different sphere. Um so it did start off as like 
who wants who wants a cookie who wants a tea and yeah. then it turned into this like refuge of political thought because i was gonna say when you when you brought it when you first mentioned it before you placed us in time i was thinking of like it in more of the bohemian context so that's where we go to oh look at i did such a nice segue for you yeah yeah there's so much on just the the french salons of this era but uh let's see what i got i'm gonna i'm gonna finish wrap this part up on the french um uh yeah the dominant concepts were Polité, civilité, and honneur. I don't speak French, but politeness, civility, and honesty. Um, you got, uh, it came up with this concept of gender complementarity, which was women are not equal, but let's give them their due and let's be like, you're giving us a, a, a soft touch to these kind of like radical ideas yeah. or something. Um, and it was not feminism, it was not equality, but it was again, Taking a different look at how we women are I guess we can share some of this information with yes. you. Yes, and it's it's baby steps, but this led to a lot of radicalization as far as how women were perceived, what women were able to do. It changed a lot of um, rights for women and how they kind of chose who they're going to marry and stuff like that. Um, it did not suggest gender equality, but it suggested a need for them within the public sphere. It's like, we need you. Yeah. You do play a role in this. Um, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, uh, he was a famous philosopher, poet, whatever. Um, he was very against this. He was like, women don't belong here. Um, uh, they're the moral centers of the family. Their status is unavoidably, depend- unavoidably dependent on a man's. Uh, he promoted exclusion because of his belief of the power of women to influence men. And you know what? Oh, so you're afraid of our power? You know what? He wasn't wrong. Um, <laughs> he's like, maybe give us some power. And uh, we'll teach you to be afraid of it. Yeah. Towards the end of this enlightenment period, uh, this was when this was when we get into Les Mis. This is when um, we started overthrowing monarchies. This is when they were very pro, like the American Revolution. And it was like, maybe these power structures are not working for us. Maybe we overthrow them a bit. Uh, when Rousseau demonized women in this role, um, salons dropped off. People stopped doing this. And then that kind of revolutionary spirit halted you know and it went back to like let's know our place and all this stuff and then it slowly got reintroduced and then that's when kind of the the salon atmosphere yeah uh brought up again it it tailed off at the end of the 1700s but our enlightenment era kind of moved over to berlin and this is when you kind of think about the bohemian um the german enlightenment is called aufklärung which means clarity essentially i love german i love a good german long word um <laughs> but 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 as infamous as their u-boats the german long oh, words jesus <laughs> um in the the french salons like we said like one of the louis whoever it was wanted to look prominent and fancy and all this stuff and because of the salon uh I don't know. Atmosphere would have been Louis the Fourteenth. I think it was because that tried like Versailles. Versailles. And Versailles. And like yeah. that's why. Yeah. Okay. And and if you look at everywhere at Prussia, Russia, England, whatnot. Um, if you French was the the language of court everywhere. Yeah. Because it was posh and it was chic. And you telling me that German isn't posh and chic? <laughs> Nine. Mm. Um, <laughs> and 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 French was kind of like the ideal of mm-hmm. culture and art and you know, intellect and all that stuff. Um, during Aufklärung, the German Enlightenment, this was when you had the Sturm und Drang movement, which was like yeah. thunder and lightning. That's what it stands. That's what it means. Um, you had Mozart, Bach, Haydn, Kant, Goethe. These were these, this is when uh, higher learning and education and art and culture shifted East and was centered in Berlin. This is when you get the Bohemians of like, let's break down thought and let's you know, these salons, the Berlin salons era, post, you know, it was is eighteen hundreds. This is when you get a lot of those like artists. So if you know of the painting, the Kiss, Gustav Klimt, yeah, um, one of his other famous paintings, a woman in gold, was Adela Blockbauer. There was a movie 
about her, the woman in gold with Helen Mirren. Um, and and it, it moved to Germany and Berlin and whatnot, but it was wholly dependent upon Jewish women at the time. Um, the, the Jewish uh, gentry and, and upper classes were fostering cultural achievements and science and getting these free thinkers together. And where it was more of, let's sound smart and polite in front of a bunch of people, this was like, oh, we're creating like genius work and artists and culture and um, free thought and kind of radical ideas and changing the, the landscape of what art and sciences look like. And it was all led by uh, these these prominent Jewish women and Jewish families. It was, it was all about more of like literature and sparking conversation. Um, at this time, uh, there was a lot of free speech and everyone could say whatever they wanted. Um, two Lutheran ministers got in trouble with their preaching because they were attacked by Immanuel Kant. Kant was a philosopher at the time. Mm-hmm. And he, he said something against the Holy Trinity. And so these two Lutheran priests, I think, or ministers... Um, it just says that they got in trouble, but they were attacked with their preaching. I think their preaching became radicalized. Uh. And so there was this edict um, that was like, you can say whatever you want, but don't, but it cannot go against this concept of the Holy Trinity or these foundational Christian yeah. uh, things because they were worried, they were worried that it would upset the, the order of things, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like we don't want you to go against this stuff because then you're going to think a little too much and yeah. you're going to overthrow like, us. These are off limits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because of these salons and, and all that stuff, uh, it, you were mixing a lot of the, uh, the classes and, and royalty would come to these things. And then the aristocracy was invited to court as well. You were blending a lot of these different class systems. And then people started marrying outside of their class. Oh, and this is what they? this is what opened up a lot of that that thought of like, hmm, maybe we don't need to maybe we can be a little more democratic with how we're choosing our, yeah. our partners. And then it got really salacious and people diddling other people and whatnot. <laughs> um Twas the dawn of the diddling. <laughs> <laughs> title of my sex tape um yeah and and uh because of these this edict about like you got to be careful of what you can say um the jewish people were were i mean they were always kind of uh, oppressed and whatnot yeah. but they were given there was this this edict of freedom so they could kind of they had a lot more liberties and and civil rights that they fought for and they got and then people started to see like well, they're doing a little too well, or we don't like mm. this super a lot. And then this was right before World War One, when people started uh, doing, you know, demonizing them and propaganda against them because they were of such high status. Yeah, that they were like, mm, we feel like we're not. You're making us feel less than. Yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna flip the script on you then. Yeah, and so this the Berlin Salon era ended when all of the anti-Semitism started rising in. Um, uh, in Germany and Prussia and all those those eras, areas. Um, and so Adela Blockbauer is just, she's one of the most famous people because of Klimt. Um, that's kind of the end of it. Okay. That's when, like, German occupation and um, the Edict of Freedom kind of revoked. Okay. So this uh, bled into w- what we know of, of, you know, how the Jews were treated in World War One, World War Two. Yeah. It was kind of this end of enlightenment. Um, and a lot of culture and art and free thinking and, and scientific growth and experiment was halted. And it became more of, oh, our achievements and inventions are going to go towards war and power as opposed to Ugh. that kind of like, that yeah. in the Enlightenment and the Renaissance where it was like, oh, this is exciting like and Every new. discovery is exciting. And yeah. Every, yeah. And now, it's, now we're like harnessing it. We can't it. use it for, to gain power. Mm-hmm. It is not valuable to yeah. us. So as soon as this Enlightenment, this, this Alf Claring ended, um, it, it sucked. I feel like the salons and like the history of the salons, both like in France and in Germany, it's, they're like, they're such a great example of how powerful it is and beneficial it is to just get a group of people together. Yeah. Like just, just groups of people. And then the downfall for both of them is, was, uh, 
those in power being afraid of what will happen when people talk to each other. Right. And it was this, this getting people together who I hate when people say like getting like minds together because then it's like, well, we believe the same thing and we're going to stick to it. They got people like minded people together and their like mindedness was let's argue, let's discuss and let's debate. And that focus on reason and logic and um, not so much argument, argumenting. Is that the word? Uh, Sure. Arguing. (laughs) But let's break this down to its core, you know? Yeah. Let's not be like, well, I think it's this way. So do I. Cool. We solved something. End of conversation. It's you wanted to Why do we under, why do we agree on this? You wanted to go to those. Should we agree on this? Yeah. You wanted to go to those parties where you were maybe going to see someone you didn't agree with on a specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they respected their other achievements. Well, it seems like they were like-minded more of in the sense of like what they had previously had access to. Yeah. Uh, or like how they had previously been limited or in just like-minded in their pursuit of enlightenment. Yeah. And and these are the people that we study, Kant, Goethe, all that yeah. stuff. And most of their the, the spreading of their ideas was to do with these prominent women who were getting them together who um this is kind of that that uh creation of the 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 female patron you know we look at like the peggy guggenheims it's like i know a lot of cool people let me throw a great party and get people together and it's like that quote in big fat creek wedding the man is the head of the house but the woman is the neck and she can turn the head whichever way she wants it's we women had an incredible amount of influence profound opportunity to quote my big always always they they you know they may have not had direct power but they had so much influence yeah um and yeah and they that that kind of female patronage take a shot patron patron yeah, that's that's it. There's so much more to that happened and and went on with that yeah, specific but just the but, idea of of like the dawn of that as a thing that yeah. people did is mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. Uh speaking of uh influence and turning people's heads Ooh. and controlling controlling people. Um I'm going to talk about a pope. Oh <laughs> I god. I feel like there's going to be a lot of a lot of episodes that are that are going to be me being like I was I was raised Catholic, so same. Hashtag Pope life. Is it Borgias? It is not. Oh, but, they're fun. Uh, they're sexy. <laughs> sexy. Talk popes. about diddling. Talk about <laughs> talk about young Pope. Oh. Uh, no. So okay. Uh, I we're gonna we're gonna jump back in time. Mm. Uh, we are before, paint a picture. We are before the Renaissance. Ooh. There's a lot of dirt and shit on the ground. <laughs> we are in the early 12th century. Oh Lord. It it dirk. Uh, Plague spread throughout Europe. It lasted seven-ish years, uh, and it raged and ravaged from Asia to Sweden, killing roughly a hundred million people. But we didn't really have accurate censuses. <laughs> uh This is, of course, the Black Plague. But I'm not just going to talk about the Black Plague slash bubonic plague because they're the same thing. Um, bubes. Um, bubes. Uh, I am specifically going to talk about how one one pope is kind of retroactively blamed for causing or enabling the spread of the Black Plague to Europe. Uh, we discussed briefly, we talked about doing like an event, and I was like, mine's, mine's kind of a conspiracy theory more than an event. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I had never, I had never learned about this, and was I just enjoyed it. So it's a nice little anecdote for you guys. Uh, as we know, the Black Plague was transmitted in multiple ways. Uh, the most dangerous being in the form of the bubonic plague, which uh, was spread through contact, not through the air, for a while. It actually took until I think like modern DNA tests for them to prove once and for all that the Black Plague and the bubonic plague were the same plague, mm. uh, and that and that both were transmitted through contact primarily by fleas that lived on uh, rats and cats and, some and people. dogs and a shitload of people <laughs> because we were dirty. Uh, but but it's uh, I feel like in history books, it's mostly like these rats carried these fleas. Blaming the rats. Yeah, they can get into smaller nooks and crannies and, and, and through like citadel walls and shit. Citadel. I just wanted to say that word. That's a fun word. Um, 
so, uh, and the rats were everywhere in Europe. As we know in Chicago, the, <laughs> it's rat season. It's saw rat my first season. rat the other day. Uh, and one, uh, Chicago, I'm going to take a little tangent. Uh, Chicago has a couple of different methods of rat control. Uh, one of which is releasing tagged coyotes uh, into really? the streets. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure we're going to do so many, like, I'm going to make us do so many Chicago Chicago tunnels. We talked about that. But the but there's, uh, yeah, every now and then you'll see a wild coyote, and it's not. It's tagged, and it's, I think they only release, I think it's only the females because they're less aggressive, and they're usually smaller, um, and also because they don't want the coyotes fucking uh, and making more not tagged coyotes. <laughs> Uh, and and so in Chicago they'll like release coyotes to to kind of cull the rat population. They also often do this with cats. They'll have a bunch of feral cats that they do spay and neuter, and that they will let run around. Oh, that um, out. And that has been happening right now. Like at my in my in my backyard, there's been like a couple couple rando cats that I've uh, seen recently. Um, and because the best way to combat rats is with cats. Classic Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Um, especially in Europe, uh, cats were everywhere and they kind of acted as their own vermin control. Like nobody planned this. They just were like, oh shit, we got all these cats. We got all these rats. They'll figure it out. Uh, there were so many cats eating so many rats that the plague was kept somewhat at bay until enter this conspiracy theory. Pope Gregory the ninth or Gregory Nine. I never know if there should be a the there. I think it's the... Uh, was not a fan of cats. Oh, Jesus. Uh, he was more of a dog guy. I was just going to say, I'm more of a dog person. Uh, he published a manuscript known as the Vox in Rama, that's a papal bull, an edict, if you will, that, among other things, uh, briefly declared that cats, black cats especially, uh, the, our last two episodes will have been about cats, basically, in, in, indirectly. Uh, I have a black cat as well. Uh, black cats especially were an incarnation of Satan, and he called for the elimination of all of them. Many believe that because of this elimination, by the time the Black Death kind of like moseyed its way to knock, it, knock, 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 knock it at Europe's door, uh, <laughs> that the rats had gone unchecked for so long that it was easier, the plague, plague spread easier because the, the, the rats... There's the, so many of them. Yeah, there were so many of them and there weren't as many cats putting them in their place. Their we need place more Toms. Being we need more crown. Toms. Oh. I always forget that Tom's a cat and Jerry's... I always mix them up. I know, I had to think about it for a little <laughs> uh, Yeah, so it, the, the, there's a theory that the plague spl- spread further than it maybe would have had there been more cats. Also, I love this, this thing that we always see in religion in general but particularly catholicism at this time it's like i don't like something cool i'm gonna make doctrine being like yeah it's evil Dis satan i'm more of a dog person so yeah sorry this is satan Kill um him. well so it's uh and that's probably where we get the superstition of black cats uh, yeah uh I don't, I don't know if it's that is like the the genesis of it but i think it, a lot of it comes genesis. from <laughs> A lot of it comes from the fact that uh, in there's a history, there's a, a huge history of of uh, Catholicism condemning uh, animals or beings that are being kind of worshipped as idols by other, by specifically like in like pagan worship, yeah, um, but like by other cultures as satanic, yeah, because it it it's like oh stick with us because they're evil, right? yeah, it's a way to yeah brainwash people into doing uh, your shit. But so so the 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 kink in this theory is that uh, not that kind of kink. Cass. <laughs> I don't kink shame. Uh, the kink in this theory is that uh, Pope uh, Pope Gregory the Tenth was about a century. He was Pope a century before the Black Death would become an imminent threat to Europe. So it's kind of like, did we really kill so many cats for that extended amount of time? Then it had this lasting effect. Oh yeah, that like cats can't repopulate. Within yeah, cats years. like cats be fucking like you can't like cats repopulate like rabbits. Crazy like rabbits. <laughs> uh, some might say like rabbits. So the conspiracy is that people are like, oh, 
Gregory had all the cats killed, so that's why the plague spread. Yeah. But the counter to that is like, okay, but it was like 100 years. There's a couple counters to that. Um, I, I say that it's a conspiracy theory because it probably isn't true, but it is just a delightful story. Right. Um, according delightful. to... Delightful. Well, according to one article Definitely. that I read uh, that I... Uh, that I will reference repeatedly. It's actually, uh, it's from Museum Hack. It's a contributor named Alex Johnson wrote that wrote a bunch of, wrote a really interesting piece on it. And I enjoyed his style of writing so much that it, it's my primary source for as I unpack this conspiracy. Um, uh, he, he hypothesized that feline-human relations likely did deteriorate when Gregory issued this papal bull which is sometime in like the 1230s. Um, and yes, that like maybe at that point, humans were like, hmm, maybe we don't trust cats. But medieval people were inherently superstitious and had lightly, and <laughs> I think this is what he wrote, had likely gotten wise to the fact that cats are magnificent assholes. <laughs> because... By this point in history, surely if they've noticed that cats refuse to be trained, hold grudges because they're cats, and surely therefore must be imbued with the spirit of the devil. If we can't control it, they're evil. Um, but uh, in this article, he unpacks like what Gregory actually said to make people catch wise and start killing cats, because the papal bull doesn't explicitly say, go eliminate cats. It doesn't say that. It starts about... Uh, talking about kissing a frog or a toad, uh, sometimes a huge frog that appears to a novice Satanist after they've entered the sect of the damned for the first time. And after they kiss the toad, um, a, quote, man of wondrous pallor who has black eyes and is so emaciated emaciated that his flesh has has been wasted seems seems to have remaining only skin drawn over the bone. So, okay, so the Satanist, the novice Satanist kisses a toad. Right. Uh, then this like slender man <laughs> arrives, just like shows up, uh, and then he kisses the Satanist, uh, and then the Satan novi- Satanist novice feels cold like ice, and with that kiss, quote, the memory of the Catholic faith totally disappears from his heart. Dementors. <laughs> it's a Dementors kiss. It's a Dementors kiss. We found it. Everything is Harry Potter. Uh, and then comes the cats, because then comes cat smooching. Here is the actual text from this papal bull. Afterwards, they sit down to a meal, and when they have arisen from it, the certain statue, which is usual in a set of this kind, a black cat, descends backwards with its tail erect. First, the novice, then the master, then each one of the order who are worthy and perfect. Kiss the cat on its buttocks. Then... Each returns to his place and, speaking certain responses, they incline their heads towards the cat. Forgive us, says the master, and then one next to him repeats this, a third responding, we know, master. A fourth says, and we must obey. So, now that's how you get pink eye. (laughs) (laughs) If you're wondering what this is talking about, it is actually specifically talking about a ritual carried out by a satanic sect as reported by an inquisitor who was tasked with ridding Germany of heretics, uh, which, I mean, that seems like a fun job. Uh, uh, I'm just going back to the crucible in my mind. Yep. Uh, and as, as possibly, as my favorite source on the subject so aptly put it, quote, either way, his account can't be true. Statues of black cats don't come to life. And you sure as shit can't get a cat to walk backwards and let you kiss its butthole. <laughs> Uh, and so, so it it wouldn't be surprising. Like, it's not surprising that cats are worshipped by a satanic cult. Right. Um, they're popular icons. They're popular icons in Egypt and in various other like pagan cultures. It wouldn't be the first time that the Catholic Church decided that something just because that an animal was worshipped by pagans, it must right. be satanic. Um, hashtag goats. Um, <laughs> uh, but the uh, hashtag goats. The purpose of this of this papal bull wasn't meant to rep- to rebrand cats as the devil, and it's certainly in no way in the text. First of all, they only mention it for a part of it. Right. It's more about frogs and the Slender Man, this Dementor. Um, <laughs> it doesn't dictate that Catholics should like run around Europe killing all cats. Uh, 
That said, there are uh, a lot of historical examples of medieval folks just killing cats willy-nilly. But if we know anything about Christians, it's that they find one little thing yeah. and then they freak out about it, make well, everything about there's, that. There's a chance that because this was specifically about condemning this German cult, that this was potentially only, this may have only been sent to Mainz in Germany. Right. Like, it's targeted at a German-based satanic sect. So this may not have been broadcasted to all of Catholicism. Yeah. It may have just been sent to, like, this pocket of Europe. I was going to say, because back to the French Salon thing, there was no dissemination of information. Yeah. So I was like, if this was popularly broadcasted, of course, a hundred years later, people are still thinking that. Still we thinking should, we got to kill yeah. all the cats. But if they're not telling everyone about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so read a book. Yuck. Oh. <laughs> uh, even, even if the Vox and Rama set the stage for a cat killing trend in Europe, despite having only been sent potentially to Germany, um, the plague, which didn't hit Europe until over a century after the bull in 1347, uh, it's the, the plague like popped up and then went away, popped up, went away yeah. like for like a century. Waves, yeah. And it seemed to always pick back up in Asia and, uh, and it did its thing in ev- like everywhere from like everywhere the whole Silk Road mm-hmm. all the way to Europe got yeah. hit by this. It did its thing in Egypt, where it may have actually done more damage in Egypt than it ever did in Europe. And Egyptians heckin' love cats. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. So if the if the plague was a punishment for killing cats, it wouldn't have hit Egypt. Yeah, some might say. Um, also, we never talk about the plague in Egypt. No, we never talk about the plague anywhere outside of Europe. And it's like, it got there last. And then it hit the ocean and stopped. Uh, as far as we know. We don't know. I fish don't have fleas. <laughs> don't, don't go out killing all the fish. They don't carry fleas. Um, don't kiss their butts either. But yeah, also like cats breed like crazy, are, are hard to catch, and are crafty sons of bitches. So I highly doubt that the medieval folk were that adept at catching and murdering cats anyway. Oh. Uh, and let alone... And such prolific numbers that that yeah. it, w- it still was affecting the cat population a century later. Cats get a bad rap. I love cats. <laughs> this just in Natalie loves cats. Um, also, also, uh, while rats get the bulk of the blame for the plague in general, we know that the plague was initially transmitted by fleas, uh, which passed it to their hosts and hosts that include, as we said at the beginning, rodents, yes, but also humans, dogs, and cats. So, like, lay off the cats, man. You know, maybe people showered more back then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if hygiene was, was it a was thing. like condemned. It's like, yeah. oh, you you gonna wash your hair? Wow, you're selfish. You know what? This actually, this when I was reading, you're all so you, vain. You probably think, think this plague, plague is about you. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Natalie and I are evil twins, by the way. We probably should have mentioned that a while. Ago. Yeah, or clones. We're not sure. Uh, if we're clones, the original has been destroyed, and we're just the two Clone Wars for we sure. We destroyed the original. Um, what this made me think of was I was like reading about this, and just like these theories of like, uh, uh, just reading about the spread of the of the black of the Black Death uh, made me think of so another semi deep cut from history that I'm sure I'll cover at some point. But did you ever learn about the siege of Kaffa? No. So I was I was I was reading about this and I was thinking about the the bubonic plague like one does on a Friday night casual and uh, and I had a moment and I was like wasn't there a moment was it this plague that there was a plague that there was a siege going on and some folks were like basically like throwing like rats or dead bodies like over a wall and I literally put into Google siege siege where they threw bodies over a wall. <laughs> Uh, Black Plague, and I to to remember to remind myself which siege it was, and to make sure I wasn't like making, making this up, up in like a fever dream. Uh, yeah, it was a siege of Kaffa. Um, uh, Mongols, the the Mongols were like tossing. I thought it was rats. I thought they were like catapulting, like potentially right, infested right. rats. It was whole bodies. It was bodies. It was uh, bodies of the deceased who had. Uh, now that sounds had like a plague. Monty Python sketch, yeah, right? Just throwing them over. Uh, to win, and it's how they like were trying to take the city. Yeah, is because they were like, first of all, it was very difficult to dispose of a body that had had plague. Right. Um, second, would you burn it? I guess throw it in the water because like fish don't have like fleas. You because fish don't have fleas. <laughs> fish real, have friends, not fleas. not fleas. Uh, yeah, I don't like. So the Mongols were like, well, we have all these dead bodies that have Ooh. been ravaged by the plague. I guess we'll. Use them. I now, get. We also have like early catapulty things. Now that's upcycling, right? Yeah, there. right. 
Give those bodies a second life. Reduce, reuse. <laughs> Everyone goes straight to recycle. Forget about the first two yeah. hours. Uh, yeah, they reduced their own supply of people of, dying of disease ravaged bodies. And they reused it as kind of ammunition because even if that body, <laughs> even if that body doesn't have the plague, it's going to land gonna on hit someone. someone. <laughs> uh, and then they were able to like kind of pick up the pace of the of the of the plague on the inside of the walls, and that was in 1346. Uh, so the when did the when did the plague hit Europe? Like twelve. Yeah, late twelves, early thirteens. Well, it was. Yeah, it was it was it was near there. It was like I think it got it started like spreading through Europe in like thirteen mm. or yeah, in thirteen like thirty seven. So this was like within ten years of that. Um that doesn't make sense. Thirteen forty seven. Thirteen yeah, so so siege of siege of Kaffa, they're thrown bodies, it's thirteen forty six. Uh the plague like really hit Europe in thirteen forty seven. Mm. So uh they're like, Hey, we came we came over here, we brought these dead bodies with us. You want some? I like there's speaking of uh, Gregory and the papal bull there's so much we could do just an entire podcast on re- weird religious shit in the in the medievals yeah like we would never run out of anything just just shit that people heard and went yeah okay yeah that sounds right yeah Kill all the cats? Kissing cats, kissing cats butts. I didn't, you know what? I didn't like this fucking cat anyway. You know what? You see a frog, you kiss it, dementor. Yep. Yeah. You, you kiss a frog, a dementor appears, the dementor kisses you, all of Catholicism leaves your heart forever, and then a black cat statue comes alive, is... walks backwards, butthole exposed to you because they trust you. A cat shows you their butthole because they trust you. It just makes good sense. And then you smooch that butthole. Also, so speaking of all the things Durmstrang the uh yeah the Russian yeah, yeah the uh, f- fire and or no uh, the, the Durmstrang the, in Harry Potter the oh, school yeah, oh yeah yeah the name comes from Sturm und Drang which I mentioned earlier Thunder and Lightning everything's Harry Potter everything is Harry Potter everything is Harry Potter yeah well this has been very interesting yeah. I feel like we oh, man I was just frenetic about everything I'm so I excited. was so excited about cats and kissing kissing some pink stars <laughs> <laughs> oh Oh man, I think that's where we caught it. I just love the idea. I just love the idea that, like, the, the I love the idea that the Black Plague was like cats getting back at us for killing a lot of them. Like that uh, tracks. Like if you like cats are cats are vengeful. Grudges. Cats hold grudges. If there's one thing you took away from this episode Don't of shared history, it's uh, let ladies learn and cats hold grudges. <laughs> And with that, this we sign been- off. This has been Shared History. If you want to check us out, find us on Instagram and Twitter at, at @sharedpod. Yeah, and if you want to send us some uh, any any corrections, uh, questions, or suggestions, we are Shared, Shared History, History Podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. I don't usually do the email address. <laughs> uh, we hope to hear from you. Um, let ladies learn. And, you know, kiss some cat buttholes. I'm Cass Maher. (laughs) I'm Natalie Younger. This has been Shared History. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.